Hi, everyone. Welcome to this special bonus episode of the Story Seeds podcast, brought to you by Macmillan Children's Publishing. Today, we're going to talk to Newbery Award-winning author Catherine Applegate about why she wanted to be a part of Story Seeds and take a behind-the-scenes look at her awesome collaboration with nine-year-old Jocelyn. We're also going to talk about her love of animals, She's practically the Jane Goodall of children's books. Find out what her favorite books were when she was Jocelyn's age and play a rapid-fire game at the end of the episode. Let's dive in. So, Catherine, you are a very busy, 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 busy person. You have written over a dozen books. You are on a book tour this fall for your new book, Willow Dean. And as we heard on the show, you're working on a new book about sea otters. And yet, despite... Despite all of that, why did you want to be a part of the Story Seeds podcast and work with Jocelyn? As soon as I heard about Story Seeds, I was all in. It is just the coolest concept because when you write for young people, you've always got them there in your head. You know, you're you're thinking about what they want to be reading, but when you can actually collaborate one on one with a young person, that is, that's an opportunity I didn't want to miss. And as soon as I heard Jocelyn's story concept, I, I was all over it. What was it about her, her story seed that you thought you could actually grow in some way? Oh, well, it was a story about courage and a story about love and friendship. I mean, it was about a, a girl and her dog. And I, you know, that just goes straight to my heart, because I was one of those kids who just uh, obsessed over animals. I wanted to be a vet when I was growing up. I worked for a vet, in fact, when I was really? in high school. Yeah, I, uh, I assisted in surgery, and I picked up a lot of poop. And along the way, <laughs> I realized, you know, maybe I should be writing about animals rather than, um, you know, performing surgery on them. But... Um, that part of the story really grabbed me. And then Jocelyn's personal story is is just so amazingly courageous. She is she's a remarkable human being, and um, it was just an honor and a delight to be able to work with her. I can completely understand that. And you know, in terms of like working with her, you know, we all you know, we all work with teams and partners at school and, and at mm-hmm. work or at home even, but was this your first time collaborating with someone on a story specifically? You know, it's funny. I actually have a great deal of experience collaborating. As it happens, um, my husband and I did a series called Animorphs many yeah. years ago. Um it was a Nickelodeon TV show for a while. It's been around forever. And there were like 63 books in the series. And there's and, graphic novels now, right? And there are graphic novels yes. with the amazing Chris Grind doing the all the heavy lifting and the amazing artwork. He gets total credit on that. But uh, we wrote basically a book a month. It was amazing. So we had a new baby at the time, and but we were able to churn out a whole lot of books. And after that, I kind of thought, no, I want to write my own books and I want to write books with a beginning and a middle and an end. More recently, I uh, I just finished a book with a friend who's a middle grade author and we haven't announced it yet. But that again was a, a really fun collaboration. What was so great about Jocelyn was 
that she gave me, you know, this wonderful story on a silver platter right down to the beautiful ending. And that, as you know, as a writer, is, is an amazing gift. So um, that made it that much more fun. Well, that makes sense. But of course, you'd, you've collaborated with mostly adults. I mean, this was a kid you were collaborating with. So how did you prepare before you met with Jocelyn? Well, I knew already that we were going to be talking about a dog, a girl with cancer, the possibility of, a, of the dog turning into a service dog. So I knew we, there were some leaps and bounds we were going to have to deal with. For example, in, in the real world, it takes quite a while for a dog to become a service dog. And uh, I knew that that was going to be a, an impediment in the story if we wanted to keep it short. I also knew... I might want to use only the point of view of Sally, Jocelyn's dog. Uh, that introduced, of course, a whole new set of problems, including, you know, anthropomorphizing. That's always a problem when you write from the point of view of an animal. And I knew that I had to keep it short and sweet. So going into it, uh, it was helpful to talk to Jocelyn and get all these little data bits did you send her any like questions beforehand or or during the process in any way or we interacted a lot back and forth and it was really fun um, there were a lot of details about her life that I wanted to incorporate and you know when you're writing a story it's those compelling little uh, bits and pieces that sometimes make a story come alive and she gave me so much to work with Sally high high fiving and Jewel, the uh, the babbling bird, and of course the fact that she had two tortoises in her backyard, talking about big chemo and how very difficult that is. She was so candid and so willing to share, you know, the hard parts of what it's like to be a kid with cancer, and that helped so much too because. In writing from her dog's point of view, I wanted to be sure that I got that that worry and that empathy and um, and also captured just how incredibly brave Jocelyn is. So sort of along those lines, what were your favorite parts collaborating with her and what was hard about it? Oh, you know, every time we talked, um, and especially um, Zooms, but also she's she sent me lots of fun pictures. Um, I get to see her interacting with Sally, and Sally is uh, quite a charmer. So, um, and and you know, Jocelyn just has a smile that would you know melt the sun. And so she's it's it's pretty. Uh, that part was really fun. She also was pretty. Uh, adamant about what she wanted and didn't want. For example, she knew that she didn't want to finish the story herself. She didn't want a cliffhanger. Uh, she knew that Sally had to become a therapy dog and not by, by virtue of magic or magic realism, which is oh. what I had thought about doing. I knew if I used some kind of magic fantasy element, I could move the story along a lot quicker. And I knew it was a very short story, but that was something she wanted. So that had to change my trajectory a little bit. And then, of course, she knew the ending. And the ending, the beautiful ending, when she and Sally walk back into a hospital to help other kids. So... It's really interesting. If you've got the scaffolding on a story, that can make it so much easier. I uh, There are, as I'm sure you know, there are people who describe themselves as uh, plotters 
and then some who describe themselves as pantsers, you know, fly by the pants kind of people. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I will create an outline and then, of course, abandon it when it doesn't suit my needs. And I find a lot of writers kind of fall into that middle category. But Jocelyn was giving me the scaffolding. You know, she was giving me what I needed in order to to make the story whole. And that was such a gift. I mean, I'm ready to collaborate with her again. Well, and so if someone who has never collaborated with someone was listening to this, what do you think you can learn from working with a partner on your writing? You know, um, it, it, it's it's an interesting balance because you want to have that give and take. And it's so useful to have another set of ears. Sometimes there are very obvious mistakes. Uh, when we wrote Animorphs, we made all kinds of continuity errors <laughs> because we wrote it so quickly. And someone created a, a website, I think it was called K-A-S-U, and it stood for Catherine Applegate Screw-Ups, and it was just all the <laughs> continuity errors, you know. <laughs> Whoops, you know, Jake didn't really acquire that hippomorph. Uh, <laughs> so it was, um, you know, it, we were writing fast. But that's, uh, you know, obviously the, like, down and dirty part of editing you can get help with from um, a collaborator is wonderful. But you also get the chance to see your story through fresh eyes in a more, you know, kind of delicate way. I, it's also important, though, as you work with a collaborator to, to stay true to your own vision and to tell the story that you need to tell. So I always tell kids, you know, you write for yourself first and foremost. And now in this particular instance, I very much wanted to write for Jocelyn and sort of be a vehicle because she'd given me such a beautiful story. One of the weird things about being a writer is it's, it's a kind of an, a lonely job sometimes. You're kind of stuck in a little room, very isolated. Uh, and there's something lovely about having another human being there to, to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Well, and then it's kind of funny because Jocelyn told us she doesn't really like to write, which a lot of people don't. But she's definitely full of all these amazing story ideas, as you saw. Um, what about you? What were, what were you like when you were Jocelyn's age? Did you did you want to read and write? Did you did you uh, always want to be a writer when you grew up? No, and I confess this fully. Every time <laughs> I do a school visit, I was not a reader, and uh, I am absolutely in the minority on this. I think you'll find most writers were, you know, reading Tolstoy in utero, but I was, I was not one of those. I was one of those kids who just kind of didn't get the point. Now I happen to have a daughter who has dyslexia. And of course, in that case, writing is really a challenge, but that wasn't my particular issue. I just thought it was kind of pointless. And then I came across, you know, what I call my best friend book, uh, Charlotte's web. And uh, probably because it involved animals, and of course because it's such a, a gorgeous and poignant story, uh, it clicked with me, and I thought, hey, you know, maybe there's something to this whole reading thing. But I think it's so important for young readers to realize that it's different for everybody. You don't have to love Charlotte's Web. Maybe it's a graphic novel. Maybe it's poetry. Maybe it's nonfiction. You know, everybody's different. And somewhere out there, there's a book that's just going to change the way you look at the world. It's, it, reading allows you for a brief moment or two 
to be a different person. And that is such a remarkable gift. I can't imagine wanting to pass it up once you understand how much fun it is. And the way to do that is keep experimenting because everybody is different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you love books about animals and you've written many stories about animals and the environment. I think I said at the top of the show, you're practically the Jane Goodall of children's books. So many of your books are about animals and the environment. I mean, I'm going out on a limb here, but was was Jane Goodall an inspiration at all? Oh, she's. I always tell people uh, when I grow up, I want to be Jane Goodall, but I will need... <laughs> I need like a Starbucks in the jungle and that's going to (laughs) be such an issue, you know, a four-star hotel would be nice. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm quite cut out for it. Slightly less bugs, please. (laughs) (laughs) But in um, my latest book, Willadine, a young girl, a very brave young girl, not nearly as brave as Jocelyn, but uh, she has, I, I would say, a hint of Jane Goodall in her. She loves to sit and observe nature, takes notes, uh, sort of as a scientist without knowing she's being a scientist, and observing the decline of a couple different species that are very odd. Uh, one is looks an awful lot like a, a bear meets a hummingbird. And um, she's trying to figure it out. And I definitely had Jane Goodall in mind. And also, to some extent, the remarkable Swedish climate activist, Greta Thunberg, who, as you, I'm sure you know, has, has made a lot of really wonderful noise, loud and good noise about um, climate change. What was the inspiration for Willow Dean? I was hoping to, I wanted to talk about biodiversity. And um, the catalyst was, I live in LA. There are lots, it's a very urban place. And we are surrounded by wildlife trying to get along with, you know, these crazy humans. And uh, Hmm. one of the challenges has been coyotes. And they are prone to using small pets in the neighborhoods as appetizers, which is, you know, (laughs) their want as they should. And so I was watching that uneasy uh, relationship and thinking about how I could translate that into a book. I always tell kids, if you've got a chance to, uh, to play with stories, one of the most fun things you can do is is just start from scratch. That's the wonderful thing about fantasy. You can create a world from the bottom up and creating your own species, you know, grab a cheetah and put some wings on them, uh, you know, do whatever you want. It's so much fun. I did that in a book, a series I did called Endling too, where I created a, a sentient species, uh, sort of a Labrador uh, slash human uh, who was the last animal uh, in her species or, and uh, we unfortunately have a word for that now. We call them endlings. So it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a really interesting way to go at, uh, you know, steam issues. You know, you're looking at there's science, there's art. What do they look like? What do they sound like? What natural environments do they need? Who are their predators? I mean, just once you get started, the, all the questions just keep rolling on. Oh, yeah. I'm asking myself a question right now, which is, uh, why don't I have a cheetah with wings? Because now I want one. I want one real bad. That sounds awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you. I'm with you. I want a hummingbear, too. Yes. Who wouldn't want a hummingbear? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, 
Who would get me one of those? Well, and obviously this this book could be called fantasy, but I think you you must have done some actual research to to do it to some extent, right? So did, did you do research for it? Oh, I love research. It's it's my, one of mm. my favorite parts. It's uh, both because it's a great way to procrastinate and yes. deadlines are not my strong point. <laughs> As you know, because, you know, historical research in particular is a lot of fun. Um, I certainly did a ton of research when I wrote The One and Only Ivan um, because I knew absolutely nothing about gorillas, let alone that particular Western lowland gorilla. And um, I found it just to be... Uh, a, a wonderful sort of side benefit of the writing process. I just went to Monterey to research sea otters and it, mm. I had a ball. And um, of course, when I was working on Willadine, I had to figure out the puzzle pieces of a small, um, a very small unit uh, in terms of biodiversity, you know, sort of backyard biodiversity, who depends on whom. And, and it, it's way more complicated than, than you might imagine. And even with Jocelyn's story, I did some research on th- service dogs and uh, what requirements there were and, you know, what the training was like. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We are now going to play a rapid-fire game. So, Catherine, I am going to ask you ten questions about yourself. And you are going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Now, we asked Jocelyn some of these questions, too. And her answers are up on the Story Seeds website at www.storyseedspodcast.com. So we're going to put your answers up there, too. Are you ready? As ready as I can be. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. If I were a spy, my code name would be. Oh, uh, uh, Dogface102. Nice. The grossest thing I have ever eaten was. Oh, you know, I've had, you know, crickets and, you know, the, you know, the usual snails and that kind of thing. Nothing I couldn't handle. I'll eat anything. Nice. If I could have dinner with one famous dead person, I would pick... E.B. White. I think mm. he, the, the author of Charlotte's Web. I, mm. he, I was just a charming and, and very smart man. And if he's not available, um, Abraham Lincoln would be fun. That's a good second. That's a good yeah, second. Yeah. All right. My most favorite piece of clothing is... Oh, my sweatpants. Mm -hmm. I I live in them. And I lived in them even before the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) In my pockets right now, I have... A dog treat, actually. (laughs) Oh, wow. That is really appropriate. But then on my lap, I have a dog. Oh, see, (laughs) Kind of go hand in hand. That kind of goes hand in hand. All right. If I were on The Voice, I would sing... Hmm... Oh, some old blues tune. I in in when I, if I can't be Jean Goodall, I'd like to be like you know a, a happy Billie Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't ask for much. <laughs> <laughs> if aliens landed on Earth and I met one, the first thing I would show them is. Mm, I, you know, I think you got to start with uh, like an icebreaker. So maybe some, I love popcorn. Mm. Don't you think, wouldn't that be a good way to start? Hey, dude, sit down, have some popcorn. <laughs> we, we can work this out. All right. I was saving the hardest question here. My favorite animal is? 
Oh, such a cliche. And I apologize. It's I love dogs. <laughs> I know I should say something exotic or bizarre, at very least gorillas. But um, do- you know what I love about dogs? They're optimists. And they're always hoping that next meal is going to be right around the corner or a walk is about to happen. And I have enough of the um, pessimist in me that I really appreciate that. Oh. My favorite place to write is? I can write anywhere. Nice. I've learned over time. But you time. have no favorites? Uh, <laughs> oh, I'd love to be in my backyard and just, um, you know, watching the birds and, and hanging out with my laptop. That's perfect. All right. Last one. I write books because? It helps me figure out the world. Nice. Thank you, Catherine, for joining me on this bonus episode of the Story Seeds podcast. I have loved talking to you. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Oh, thank you. I've had a great time. Listeners, if you haven't heard it yet, make sure to check out Catherine and Jocelyn's episode and their story, Two Brave Girls, One with Four Paws. We have also created an activity kit to help you grow your own story seeds inspired by their collaboration. You can check it out in the Imagination Lab section of our website at www.storyseedspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Macmillan Children's Publishing. Credit to Ultraviolet Audio for the sound mixing, design, and score of this bonus episode. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten, and I am your host, Betsy Bird. Story Seeds is a literary safari production. On Story Seeds Control of your destiny Adventures you design Where your dreams can grow A little more each time On Story Seeds